listening to ComedySlamRadio.com. From our studios to the world, we bring you the finest in quality entertainment. So pop some popcorn, grab a smooch buddy, and settle in for another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com. Thank you for tuning in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com where we bring you national touring and celebrity comedian interviews. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Be Frank Show. And if you miss our live broadcast, you can find us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's Podcast. And please contact us with any questions or information about advertising and sponsoring at Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank at Yahoo.com. Good evening and welcome to the Let's Be Frank Show. I want to take a quick moment to thank this evening's sponsors, uh, Laughing Sombreros, LS Cases, and CruiseBrothers.biz. Thank you for sponsoring the Let's Be Frank Show and ComedySlamRadio.com. But let's get down to the funny. This evening, we have in studio hanging out, Gwiggy. How you doing, Gwiggy? I am good. How are you, brother? I am great. And we have live Josh Sneed calling in. How are you, Josh? Hello, gentlemen. Good evening. Thank you very much for taking some time out. I know we spoke a little earlier in the week. You're just coming off of some vacation time, aren't you, Josh? Yeah, yeah, hanging out with the family uh, down in Florida for a couple days. Uh, Survived all those nasty hurricanes. That's exactly what I want to do is is travel when I'm not traveling. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally. And you survived all the nasty tropical hurricanes and storms in Florida? Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, we got down there right before uh, Hurricane Isaac hit Florida, and we caught some of the, you know, thunderstorms from it. And then when we got home to Ohio, it was rolling into Ohio. So we got hit by that storm on two separate occasions. Nice. Way across the country. That, that's where I fittingly normally tell people, sorry about your damn luck. Because that, that's horrible, too. <laughs> Man, was it... Did, it really didn't hit Florida that bad. How was it back home in Ohio? Did it give you a good little pound? Uh, it wasn't that bad. Nah, it wasn't that bad at all. Just, uh, just a typical thunderstorm. All right. So we both scaved through because we're down here in Florida, as everybody knows, who listens every week. So first thing I'd like to ask Josh is, you know, what really got you deciding to, you know, to go towards comedy? What, what brought you to the stage the first time? You know, was it a dare? What was it? Well, um, as a kid, you know, I, I, um, I didn't really have parents who listened to stand up. Like I know a lot of my comedian friends were like, you know, my dad used to play George Carlin records or Bob Newhart or something. And that really wasn't the case in my house. The only, the only, um, stand up I really watched is I saw Bill Cosby himself. And then I remember, um, that was a great had a, special. You know, oh yeah. It's my favorite. Um, I got to meet him actually last year and, it's pretty surreal to kind of meet the meet the person who got you to do what you do for a living. You know, absolutely. Um, I could say I was rejected and, by uh, him immediately. <laughs> he rejected me for the that? show. Bill Cosby's people rejected me in about thirty five seconds after I sent the email. They were like, "Sorry about your damn luck, Dave." <laughs> nice. Bring bring up all the positive aspects of the show here. Right? That's all right. I don't blame Bill Cosby, man. It's you know, it's just one of those things. I love. Him. I got really lucky. Uh, we were doing a festival together. Uh, he had a much larger venue than I, but still part of the same festival. And um, the people who ran the festival arranged for myself and another comedian to to meet him before his show. And uh, I was really nervous because I heard he wasn't very very nice. But uh, he could not have been nicer. He talked to us all the way up until they said, you guys have to leave because he has to go on stage right now. And then I watched him do like two and a half hours. It was absolutely surreal. Two and a half hours. That's incredible. Uh, I kind of felt like that. And although I didn't get to work with him, uh, Jackie Mason, uh, I got to meet him and talk to him for a few minutes after one of his shows after he had called into the radio show, which was a great experience. That's Uh, cool. You know, like with some of the other people I've met, uh, just recently I met uh, Bobby Slayton. Uh, we've also met oh, yeah. with Bobby Car- uh, Bobby Collins. Uh, we didn't get to meet Martin Short, but we did get to see a great show when he was in town. Mm. So these are all people that when they, you know, they call in and they finally make it through Florida, 
they hook a fat brother up with a with a free ticket to his show and <laughs> shake my hand, make me feel like all powerful, make my head big. It's great. Yeah, like you needed anything That's else fun, to make man. your head big. Yeah, it is fucking I'm big. Just, I'm glad that you know. I'm glad that you know. Uh, 14 years into the business, that stuff like that is still cool to me. Like, I hope it never gets old for mm-hmm. me to get to meet people like that. You know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you, you were saying, so, I mean, 14 years. Now, you were saying you so never yeah, really... Bill, Bill Cosby was uh, the first stand-up that I remember seeing as a, as a kid. Right. And then um, in my kind of pre-teen years, I, I remember I would watch Evening at the Improv, and, and uh, mm-hmm. the three that I, three or four that I remember the most were Jake Johansson, uh, Stephen Wright, Wendy Liebman, and uh, Larry Miller, and uh, nice. Stephen Wright being my favorite. Um, yeah. And right. so... Uh, I always liked watching stand-up the little bit that I got to see, but I was obsessed with Saturday Night Live. And my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live, and I thought um, maybe stand-up would be a good place to start. I had no idea. You know, I'd never really been on stage. and um, I was a class clown in high school, but um, never any formal training. So uh, so I did an open mic night, and, uh, and I loved it. And then I, I had a really good day job. Uh, working for Procter and Gamble in Cincinnati, and then um, I kind of just did both of them until I got to a point where I had to pick one or the other. And I gave, uh, I decided to give stand up a try because I thought I was young enough that if it didn't work out, I could still bounce back. Absolutely. And um, that was 11 years ago. There wow. you go. I'm the exact opposite. I got a nice, secure job and a crappy comedy career. And I'm just about old enough to probably have to stick out that job for another 10 or 20 before I could really kick it in full time. I'm already 40, so I'm like, you know, i got to start thinking about that retirement. My belly ain't going to stay full all on its own. Well, I mean, having a good day job was very was very key for me because you see a lot of people that want to do it full time probably before they're ready to. Um, and it actually hurts them because, you know, the first impression with some of these clubs, there's so many comics that want work that their first impression of you may last a lot longer than it should. So having a good day job was nice for me because it made me realize what I was giving up and, and in essence, wait until I knew that I was ready to do it full time because it, it wasn't something I could just, oh, I'll go pick it back up, you know, if, uh, if it doesn't work out. Yeah, it's it's definitely a big decision. You got to especially with you, you know, married now, family, health insurance, everything that you got to think about is on the line when you're doing stand up. That's right. That's right. Well, luckily the wife has the insurance though, so uh-huh. I I don't often hear about the comedians admitting to being the responsible ones. Like, oh yeah, I got everything covered. No problem. Yeah. So, go ahead. Do you have a question? Yeah, I was just going to ask him uh, when when you came to that time to 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 make the decision to get out of the 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 Proctor nice cushy Gamble. job, Procter and Gamble, and and do stand up full time. What were some of the particulars? I mean, you had to be freaking out a little bit at the time too. Was that or was it not a hard decision at that point? Well, <laughs> it wasn't hard in terms of if you set them next to each other and decide which one you'd rather do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my whole thing was I was never really I never really had stage fright, but um, my worry was whether or not they'd laugh. You know, like I wasn't nervous holding a microphone in front of people. I was just nervous on whether or not people would like what I had to say. And I think um, I think that helped me a lot because, um, you know, I'm sure you've seen people that it doesn't matter what they're saying. If you can tell that they're nervous, that's what you focus on. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was... <laughs> I was in a really cool spot because um, I had worked with Mitch Hedberg a little bit earlier in the year that I quit my day job. And he had invited me to go open for him in North Dakota. And of course, my coworkers thought I was insane for using vacation days to go to North Dakota in late February. But probably one of the best decisions you ever made. Yeah, it absolutely was. You know, because I mean, Mitch was. He was Stephen Wright for my generation, you know, and and so not only was he very instrumental in defining what comedy was to me as a budding comedian, but I saw a lot of what drew me to stand-up comedy in the first place in just his particular style. 
because I was always a huge fan of wordplay and the one-liners. So I was getting a little bit of work here and there, um, and I thought, you know, P&G at the time was going through some cutbacks, so they offered severance packages, so I was able to take six months' salary and benefits to leave the company, which wow. was a nice cushion for me in that transition from day job to full-time comedian. And then I just kind of got lucky um, when I crossed paths with a club owner in South Bend, Indiana. And um, the only reason I wanted to go up there and work because I was a huge Notre Dame fan. That was the only reason that I wanted to go work that club. And she just assumed that I was getting lots of work. And I said, actually, I'm having trouble getting work because, you know, there's so many comedians. And at that time, people were still sending out VHS tapes. And the chances of some booker watching a VHS tape was slim and none. Absolutely. So I told her, I'm like, you know, the clubs that I'm working are having me back. It's just a matter of getting in the first time and I'm having trouble do it. So she said she would help me out, you know, for 10%. And uh, sort of an experiment for her because she had never helped anybody like that before. And so that first full calendar year that I spent on the road in 2002, I worked 50 out of 52 weeks. And um, wow. that amount of stage time was, you know, like the, I could never measure how helpful that was for me to be up on stage that much in good clubs. And it really helped me progress, you know, to like a strong middle and then, you know, kind of laid the groundwork for, you know, all the stuff that I've been able to do since then. So so when you first went out on that, were, were you doing like a solid 20 minutes? Were you featuring or were you were you, were you the headliner at that point? Because there's a lot of people that make no, a living. No, no, no. I was, I was just middling. I, okay. I middled from, you know, when I quit my day job, which was in uh, July of 2001, until, uh, until I got my half-hour special from Comedy Central, and that was the day where... I decided I wasn't going to take any more middle dates and slowly but surely um, the headlining dates started to come in and, you know, that was that was kind of the defining moment of deciding that I was ready to move to the next level and I would only be hurting myself if I backtracked at all. Understandable. How do you think that the Comedy Slam half-hour special affects people today versus how it affected you? Because I think... <laughs> You know, almost 10 years ago, all of that stuff got a lot more attention and it led to, you know, I don't want to say instant stardom, but a lot, a lot more opportunities and maybe better than what you get now from it. I don't know if it's as uh, big of an impact as it used to be. You know, it's tough. I feel like I was kind of in the middle of where it could really be beneficial um, because, you know, at, at the earlier part, it, it, not a lot of people had them. So those that did, everybody knew. But then I also feel like that in the last couple of years with the emergence of social media, um, you know, Facebook and Twitter, that if you had a half hour special, it's more commonplace for people to see you on TV and then immediately go look you up on their computer. And then you sort of have reined them in for anything you do in the future because they now have... Uh, you have instant access of ways to update them with all the stuff you're doing. And right. I feel like social media in terms of, you know, developing your career was just kind of coming on board when I did my half hour. But I was also, you know, so far in into the seasons that it wasn't, it didn't hold as much of a prestige as it used to. I mean, absolutely, it, it helped me out and it was you know, one of those things that before I did my first open mic night, I sat there and I thought, you know, if I ever did a half hour special, what would I want my background to look like? And uh, <laughs> to see, you know, 10 years later, like to, to say like, oh yeah, I already know. I've been thinking about this before I started doing comedy and see it come to life. I mean, you can't, you can't put a price on that in terms of money or fame, like just, you know, in terms of like a benchmark for your career to say like, you know, if it doesn't get any better than this, like this is way better than I ever thought it could be. You know, it's funny. I feel like that now. And all I actually get to do is, you know, I still do open mics. I MC and I guest spot. And obviously comedians together, we put on shows. And those are sometimes in clubs and in bars. And, and you know how that starts. And I think most of my listeners do. But, you know, if I stuck with my full-time job and I got to the point where maybe I was featuring, I'd be a happy guy. But... I have a blast just doing, you know, the MC and and the guest spots now, you know. It, it's it's fun. Yeah. 
It's a great energy release. It's it's awesome. It's a good overall experience. And and you should hope that that you never lose that because, you know, I feel like of course there are things that I still want to do or haven't gotten to do, but you know, there's so many times where I'll be on the road and it'll be a Thursday at noon and I'm peeing off on a golf course and I'll just look at whoever I'm playing with and think, you know what, somebody's putting a roof on right now. You know, it's like somebody's sitting in a cubicle somewhere. <laughs> and it's like, it's, you know, my my buddy Mark Sweeney, he always says this is some life we lead and it really is. You know, if you just keep it in perspective. Um, I don't know if you saw Dave Chappelle when he was on um, Inside the Actor's Studio, but he really changed my entire view on this business with something he said. He was talking about when he told his parents that he wanted to be a comedian. And his mom, you know, kind of thinking that it might be a fad, made some sort of comment of, well, if you're not successful, will you give it up? And that's when he said, you know, it just depends on what your definition of success is. You know, so many people that we talk to think you have to have your own sitcom for you to be a successful comedian. He said, but if if I if I can make $30,000 a year being a comedian and a teacher makes $30,000 a year, I'd rather be a comedian than a teacher. And Absolutely. I thought it was such a great perspective, you know, especially for someone like me who spent very little time in Los Angeles and really any credits that I feel like I have that are worth any value have all happened while I've lived in Cincinnati. And it's like, I've been able to, you know, stay around my friends and family and do what I love doing for a living and not feel like I have to be in Los Angeles or New York to do it. And, you know, I've had some success at it and I feel like that's a win for me. If I don't get my own sitcom, then, you know, I still had it pretty good. Absolutely. As you said, you're happy and you're doing what you love. And, Probably, I, I would probably say the majority of the country can't say that about their jobs, you know? So it, exactly. it's a blessing to be able to do it. I don't necessarily always love my full-time job, but it's a blessing to have it in this economy. Thank you, Uncle Obama. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to get into political debate. I, I don't even talk about politics. I just wanted to say thank you, Uncle Obama. I thought it would sound funny. Didn't realize he was your uncle. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, you I'm don't his, look anything alike. I'm his fat white nephew. I was going to say you should have a way better job if that's your uncle. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. I'm the guy that he sends to go buy his buy his cigarettes. He's like, that's what you could do, kid. <laughs> even that, he's not you doing very the well. Ball when he's practicing free throws. <laughs> <laughs> It might pay better than what I do now doing that. <laughs> Clean up after my sweaty ass, says the president. <laughs> hey, if I was Clint Eastwood, I you could know, just like, talk to a chair and be just as successful. <laughs> but I can't do that. Well, I could. Um, I just don't get to TV time. You know, it's like, Saturday, I was saying, you know, Saturday Night Live was like one of the, I mean, it was like really the main reason that I started doing stand-up. And uh, a friend of mine, Finesse Mitchell, he was on the show for three seasons. Nice. Yeah. And um, I got to go there a few times and hang out. And I remember thinking that back then, you know, it's like I may not ever get to Saturday Night Live, but I got to a point where I put myself in circles where one of my best friends was on the show and invited me to come hang out. And I'm shaking hands with Lauren Michaels and I'm seeing how the dress rehearsal goes and what changes they make before it goes live. And, you know, it was like, man, if that's as close as I ever get, I'm, I'm quite happy. Yeah. I mean, you're that's closer awesome, than, dude. yeah, you're yeah. closer than what most people think they would ever be. You know, they're, ha they're happy just that's to right. be in the studio, let alone backstage. It's, mm -hmm. I'm sure it must've been a phenomenal experience. Maybe you will have your own, uh, we'll get your, you'll get you on there for a season. That's what I think. Everybody that wants to see well, Saturday go. Night Live, Josh Sneed, he needs his own season. <laughs> Visit his website. Go to SaturdayNightLive.com. Uncle, if he can help out with that. Uncle Obama, if you can help, call 727-493-2055. We want to start. Put it in your campaign. If you give Josh Sneed an opportunity on Saturday Night Live, he will give more jobs to middle-class Americans. Yeah. Maybe not. But it sounded good. That's right. <laughs> yeah, the president of the United States does have um, certain powers. I'm sure there would be a way to get you on there from with his influences. Who knows? But. Yeah. I, can I tell you <laughs> something, though? I'm jealous of you because I saw on your website that you had Garrett Bischoff on your show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was in the studio. <laughs> he was, he was awesome. Did, did you watch it? He gave me a chest <laughs> shot. It was awesome. 
You, are so you a big? Of you. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> giant wrestling nerd. Me too. Uh, he he actually lives here in uh, the Clearwater area, so it was great that he was able to Don't come. A up. lot of wrestlers live down there. Oh, Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be having some more wrestlers coming on the show. I was talking about uh, with Garrett about that. Uh, we're hoping to see Brian Knobs, who even has a a place right down the road from here. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's his res, uh, his wrestling company and the gym. Uh, Sean, so Sean Waltman is a friend of mine now. Oh yeah, he, he's also himself. down here. Yep. Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. He'd be welcome to come on X Pac if you're listening. Please listen to me <laughs> and come on my show, please. Yeah, I'd yeah. be happy, man. We could tell he, everybody to suck great. it. <clears throat> yeah, you know he he had his own show on uh one of the he had his own. Uh, I think it was a radio show with Cowhead and the Bubba the Love Sponge oh, guys. Yeah, probably on, on like ninety eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Radio IO. I think it was or something like that. Maybe. Yeah, I think he was on Radio IO. Oh, okay, but you know I've gotten to meet a couple of wrestlers. Uh, Rick Flair, I met once. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was I was in a professional situation, so I couldn't ask him to give me a woo. But I wanted to. <laughs> it just wasn't right. He, you know, it was... I don't care if it's a personal situation. I don't care if I'm not supposed to ask for pictures. I I can't help but take advantage because I'm I'm like, what's the worst that could happen? They say no, but I'm probably never going to be in a position like that again to ask. So well, mine was not? a mine was a professional where I was at my place of employment, so I couldn't couldn't act a fool. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to go up and try to give a clothesline and the whole bit. It was funny because that's how it was at. A, it, I, at the time, I was in electronics, and uh, that's also how I met uh, Garrett Bischoff. Was he came into the into the store and we were oh, working yeah. on things, and I, and I had to pull up his information. And when I pulled it up, all I knew his he introduced himself as Garrett, and then I pulled up the account and I saw the last name, and I'm like, "Listen, buddy, this is out of left field." But that you know, the last name Bischoff is not too popular. You must be related to Eric, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." And then we went to the store. I'm like, you just can't pop up with the fucking name Bischoff and think I don't know nothing, you know? <laughs> well, so, see, I was a big wrestling fan as a child, and then um, I kind of got out of it in high school. And then when I went to college, these guys that I worked with at the rec center were giant wrestling fans, and they were still into wrestling. And they were like, we have parties every month at our apartment, and we watch the pay-per-view and that was right when um, WCW was sort of rivaling uh, WWF in terms right. of the yeah, Monday Night Raw versus Nitro. That was one of and my then, favorite uh, times to be watching on, wrestling. We go on spring break down to Panama City, Florida, and that just so happens it was when they were doing Nitro live yeah. from Panama City, and we met Glacier and all these wrestlers and got to be friends with them, and they'd hang out with us when they came to Cincinnati and. Like all of a sudden, I found myself like completely submerged back into the world of professional wrestling. We were driving to any event, you know, if it was a house show or a pay per view, if it was within, you know, 300 miles of Cincinnati, we were going. And our big thing was the signs. You know, we were, we were, our only goal was to piss off whatever city we were in based on (laughs) what signs we had. That is awesome. It's a great thing. I mean, it was amazing. I mean, wrestling, I've ever since I was a little kid, I've always been a fan. And I also, like, I had went away from it for a while and I came back to it right around a year before the big WCW and WWF thing and ECW involved. And it was just a great time. But uh, it was almost like for a while there, people were like closet wrestling fans. Like, you're like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Admit mm-hmm. the fact that I like to watch the fake wrestling or the sports entertainment but i don't care man i'm out of the closet about my wrestling i love it i it's be, it's being dvr'd right now because i'm talking to you that's what's happening right now my dvr is go ahead we actually got escorted me and uh, three of my friends actually got escorted out of um, Survivor Series in Detroit. <laughs> Damn, you were Survivor Series? We literally made the entire arena hate us. It was amazing. What the hell did your sign say, we had man? That said, uh, what's that? What the, I was going to say, what the hell did your sign say that they booted you out? Well, the one that they probably got the most attention was, uh, was a sign that said, Support Foreign Automakers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Oh man, uh, that is had, awesome. Uh, hockey is hockey is fake. Nice. Um, hockey is fake. It, it was in Joe Louis <laughs> Arena, so we had oh, yeah. uh, you know Rocky Marciano forever. <laughs> um, and the you know you know how you know how a crowd will will join in unison to chant asshole. It'll be like oh, asshole. Yeah. Uh-huh. asshole. Did they chant my, that for you on the way out? My best friend was leading the chant. I mean, standing there like he was the conductor of a symphony orchestra, nice. as everyone called him asshole. It was glorious. <laughs> nice. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, man! I would love any kind of involvement in wrestling. I would go out there and tell jokes for five minutes to entertain the crowd. Nice, yeah. I will be the new fat Lou Albano. It could be Fat Davy. Mm-hmm. I ain't gonna put a rubber band in my face like Captain Lou did, <laughs> but cool. I would go down there and I want to be the manager to all the hot female wrestlers. Oh, yeah, of course, but... absolutely. One time we were uh, one time we were in Louisville and uh, we had a sign that said Muhammad Ali has the shakes. And um, oh, just man. we literally thought we were going to get beat up that night. Um, the other sign that was my personal favorite, but probably a lot of people won't get the reference, is we were in Louisville and we had a sign that said, Easton makes a better bat. Oh, um, oh man. Louisville sluggers down there. Wow. And, you guys um, are harsh. And then, oh, my God. Well, you got to start we telling these ECW stories on stage. And we took a dry erase board. And we just made up signs as the night went on. Nice. That is one thing about wrestling. You could almost do whatever the hell you want and not get kicked out. But this guy is taking it to the extreme that he got yeah. kicked out of Survivor Series. Do you, do you talk about that well, on the stage, man? guard came up the aisle. And he, he walks up the aisle and he motions for us to come over. And we're like, what's the matter? And they're like, well, you haven't done anything to where we can throw you out. But just for your safety you should probably come with us. <laughs> and so the whole place was going nuts as the four of us were being let out of the arena by That's police. Awesome. And then they took us down to the floor and let us watch from behind the curtain so we could see the rest of it. Cause they obviously got a huge kick out of it, That's awesome. but they really thought that we would be in some trouble if they did step in. <laughs> so it was, they cared about your well being. Wow. That's right. Serve and protect. There you go. <laughs> It is funny because I've seen how uh, Vince and on some of the, uh, you know, and on TNA, I don't know if on TNA as much, but in WWE you used to see on the blogs, if you read them, that, where they'll take signs from people that they don't think are appropriate for TV. I don't know if they do that in TNA, and I don't think they ever did that in ECW because they gave you, they let you hand them a pots and pans to hit people in the head with. They didn't care what your sign said. Just give me something hard to hit somebody with back then. They encouraged throwing stuff on the, in the ring at ECW, right? Yeah, yeah, that was great. We went to we went to an event, another event in Louisville that uh, Terry Funk he had like a gym there. Oh, cool! And um, we went on Bring Your Own Weapon Night. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. The hillbillies uh, really have gotten quite creative these days. Uh, we saw. Wiffle ball bats with flashlights duct taped to them. I mean, pretty much anything that you can think of was in someone's hand, and they would come out into the crowd and just grab a weapon from someone and start hitting each other with it. That's awesome. Hell yeah. Next time you come to Florida, man, we're going to have to go kick into uh, the Tampa Bay. There's a FCW, Florida Championship Wrestling. We'll have to go see a show. Yeah. That would absolutely be great. I'll do it in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. There you go. And I'm waiting to hear back from them about having some of their people start coming to the show with uh, Florida Championship Wrestling. So that'll be interesting. Plus, hopefully we get some more TNA people here. But although wrestling is fun and exciting, we should probably, you know, talk about you a little bit more and your comedy. (laughs) You know, I could go on about wrestling, but I don't know if my fans like wrestling as much as comedy. I could say sorry about their damn luck, but I do want them to listen again next week. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so throughout your time on the road, um, I know you said, you, you know, one of your first real trips on the road was with Mitch Hedberg. Is there anybody aside from him that really stands out? Was I know that was your first experience. Was it the best one or, you know, what, what are some of the greatest experiences on the road for you? Well, I was lucky enough to, um, to get to work with Mitch, you know, a few times a year 
where he would basically call me and say, you know, is there a club that you really want to work that you can't get into right now? And I would tell him and he'd say, okay, well, I'm booked there in December. You're going to go middle for me. And so he would help me out in that regard. So he's always going to be my my favorite, you know, just for personal reasons, but comedic reasons also, just because I was such a fan and just in awe of, of how good he was. You know, he's one of those guys that you watch and you just think, like, why why am I even trying this? You know, why am I trying to be in the same business with him? And, and that, that, that list, you know, includes uh, David Tell, Bill Burr, um, Jimmy Pardo and Robert Hawkins are two of my all-time favorite. You know, if I if I'm ever working with them, I would I would not leave the room for one second for any show the whole week. <laughs> hey man, we all have our favorites. I know, as you said, you started off. You started watching Bill Cosby. That was one of the main ones. I know when I was younger, uh, I used to get to watch Red Skelton a lot and George Burns, and then came along Bill Cosby and, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy, the imp- you know, the all yeah. the evening at the improvs, but there was so much stuff. I, I was, my, I, I guess I abused the fact that we had the cable when I was like 10, and I got to watch some cool stuff, but, I mean, I love all these guys, but I still have some of the simple comedy from, you know, Red Skelton, Red Fox, some of that stuff is... It's going to last throughout time. It'll never be old. You know, I love that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think, like, you know, I was talking about Jake Johansson and Wendy Liebman. Yep. Um, like, I've always been a huge fan of comedic timing. Um, you know, like that that one pause that you wait a little bit longer just gets that bigger laugh. Absolutely. And, um, and I remember watching them. Um, the Smothers Brothers, and I was I would think like, man, those guys have like some of the best comedic timing I've ever seen in my life. And mm-hmm. I actually got to meet uh, Tom Smothers uh, nice. a few years ago, and I told him that I was just like, it, you know, it's so weird to meet the people that sort of define your life, you know, in terms of like what you're into, and 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 ultimately, you know, in our regards, what we do for a living. Absolutely. Uh some of the comics or comedians that when you first started doing um, stand-up and going to the open mics, you know, sometimes you see in a generation where a lot of the same people will come out of an area and there'll be a few good comics to head on the scene and start headlining and uh, featuring all around the country. We're, we're, how how many of the people that you started with are actually out there working full-time or did a lot of them just fall off or... Um, in terms of Cincinnati comedians, not that many are still doing it. Um, in fact, I, I can't really think of any, maybe one or two, a guy from Dayton, Kenny Smith, he's still doing it. Um, but most of the guys that were doing it when I started, you know, Cincinnati didn't really have a big scene. Um, but you know, the, the weird thing is, is like, you get to a point where you start middling and headlining and you don't really get to work with your friends because you kind of grow up in the business together right. and you, you know, you're not going to be featuring at the same club or, you know, you'll be lucky if you do a festival or if you're in a city that has two comedy clubs and you're each working one of them. So, you know, you, you make these friendships and you just hope that one of you isn't working the next time you're in their town or vice versa. So you can hang out with them. Um, but I have a lot of friends that I've met that were doing comedy full-time when I was doing comedy full-time that are still doing it. Uh, but in terms of guys that I've started with here in Cincinnati, there's there's really not, not anyone. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be <clears> – I've only been in comedy for about just a little over two years, and I see a lot of people that when I first started going to the open mics that aren't even around anymore, uh, very f- – I'd say maybe 25 or 30% of them are still there, and a lot of them have gotten a lot better. Some of them haven't. I don't know how much better I've gotten, maybe about 1%. You ain't getting it, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's it's just interesting to see how it plays out. And, you know, watching, I've, see, I've seen one guy who came into comedy, a guy by the name of Ali, I can't remember or pronounce his name right, but he's only been doing comedy three or four months, and, I mean, the guy's for three or four months is almost friggin' amazing. He comes oh, yeah, up with yeah, new Ali. material all the time. Is it Ali Sharif or Shafari? I don't know. Sharif, I think, yeah. Ali Sharif? 
There you go. I don't know if he listens to my show, but if he did, (laughs) sorry about your damn luck for screwing up your name. It happens. Now, do you know where sorry about your damn luck comes from, Mr. Wrestling Fan, Josh Need? Um, I'm not sure I do. I so ripped it off. (laughs) I have robbed that from Cowboy James Storm, who... I will give his proper credit. Started me on. Sorry about your damn luck. Damn. He says it with he says it with a little bit more gusto. But I robbed yeah. it right from TNA and him. Sue me if you want to. I got nothing. <laughs> but I love it, and I can't stop saying it. Oh, Quickie, say something. You've been so quiet here. I'm listening to Josh. You I, drove I, yeah. all the way to the station. You got yeah. Josh Need on. Ask him a question. Not about his pecker, because you ask weird I fucking questions. Ask, ask questions good questions. Peckers, don't worry. <laughs> good fucking questions. Okay. You're supposed to be the smart one here. No, uh, I guess the one thing that I wanted to we did you did sort of touch a little bit about social media. Um, how has that sort of uh, added a new dimension to, I guess, marketing yourself to different clubs or whatever? How does it help you more or less? Uh, in, in various different areas, either with getting jobs or just getting more people to some of your shows, too? Well, my background was when I worked at Parks and Gamble, I was an IT guy. So I've always been computer savvy in okay. terms of, um, you know, like I had a website, like probably when I was just an open micer, when most headliners didn't have a website. And that nice. was only because I knew how to make them. Yeah. And so um, I started collecting email addresses after shows to build uh, an email list. And then, um, you know, slowly but surely, as I was doing comedy full time, you know, it became more and more of commonplace for for you to have sort of an internet presence, be it just a website, obviously at the time. And then, you know, now with Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet because it's more it gives you more access to the fans, but it gives the fans way more access to comedians. <laughs> yeah. So the you know, there's all kinds of places for people to go to hear comedy. So, you know, it it kinda hurts in a way, but it kinda helps in a way too. Like um you know, in terms of live shows, if you can really build a following online from Twitter or Facebook, I mean it can really um help your live shows, but you know, the downside and you'll hear it like I know Chris Rock was just talking about this in an article the downside is that, you know, everybody's got a video camera on their phone and mm-hmm. they're filming yet shows and they're putting your material on the internet before it's ready. And, uh, you know, then, then you either don't look funny because your bit isn't flushed out and perfected yet, or you don't have anything new because every time you do something new, it ends up online. So, you know, unless you're Louis CK, who's prolific enough to write a new hour every year, mm-hmm like the internet can be a bad thing. So what I try to do is I try to keep my stand up at my shows and then just keep my social media sort of separate, like be entertaining enough to kind of engage the people who like what I do. Hope, hopefully enough that when I come to their town, they'll want to come out and see the show and not have heard everything I'm going to say. Absolutely. Now, now you're also doing a podcast as well. It says on your website to what, how did, uh, what exactly is your your podcast about, and how has it how has it helped you? And obviously, it's probably helped out with your fan base as well too. But well, my podcast is on hiatus. Oh, really? Um, right okay. now, it's uh, it's called the Detention Show, um, and basically, it wasn't a whole lot different than what you guys do. It was me and a co-host uh, who has since moved to New York, oh. um, and I would just grab the comedians that were in town each week playing here at the comedy club when I wasn't working. And uh, and I'd sit down and just sort of let, you know, people kind of be a fly on the wall in a comedy club green room. That's kind of what the, <laughs> the premise was. Nice. And, um, you know, I, at the time, my co-host had never even done stand-up. He was a big fan, but he had never even thought about getting on stage. And I'd been in the business for, you know, 10 years at the time. And so it was a nice dynamic of, of being able to interview someone from from two different angles, someone who's been in their shoes for a long time or that was just starting out and, you know, was green and had all sorts of questions about how the business works. And, uh, it was a lot of fun, but then I was planning a wedding and then we were pregnant with a child and I'm, my goal was to start it back up again. And I think there's enough material out there in iTunes that if people are interested, you know, they can go find detention 
uh, in iTunes or go to the detentionshow.com and, and listen to some of the old episodes. I mean, I've, I tried to really mix it up with the guests. I'd have, you know, guys who were just starting out that maybe people hadn't heard of. And then I'd have, you know, Doug Benson and, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait and Jimmy Pardo and people like that, that, that were, uh, seasoned and had lots of credits, um, so that they could really kind of, you know, kind of do what you guys are doing and, and let, let, young comedians and people who are interested in the business sort of hear the stories about how people got started and what life's like on the road. Absolutely. One of the things, that's one of the things I love about the podcast. I mean, we're actually just about one year into the show, which is actually on live radio, comedy Mm -hmm. slam radio, and then put out to the podcast and it's on iTunes and Podomatic and Stitcher radio right now. And I think it's on a couple others, but in the last year, I've spoken to 52 or so different comedians. Yeah. About 40 of them are online, but you speak to so many different people that each week when I when I have people here in the studio, most of the time they're open micers to three or four years in the industry, but I've had people that have been in comedy for 30 years here in the show that mm-hmm. have had national success and toured around the country or in, towards the end of their career or still rocking hard and celebrity calls to hardworking comedians and it's just been such a great experience and a way to learn uh it gets me out there it gets my name out there maybe one day it'll get me somebody like doug benson to call into the show you know it's it's all it's it's all about networking and marketing yourself and you know i think i've been doing pretty good i've had a lot of great callers yourself included so that helps out with bringing more people in but some of the more interesting people are the hardworking comics that are just out there every day that they may not hit that super huge fame, but they make a great living. They're happy and they got some great funny stories. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, those are, I mean, that, that's the people that I grew up in the business with. And I still, to some degree, consider myself one of, you know, I mean, if you haven't slept in your car, <laughs> then you're, you you may not consider yourself a real comedian yet because uh, <laughs> you know that's just I mean I look back it's it's insane but I, I seriously I look back and I think man there was a time in my life where I might leave my front door and not be back to it for six weeks because I was able to route certain clubs and it was not worth driving you know 400 miles back home to go 400 miles back three days later so I'm gonna just sleep in my car or find some other comedian who let me sleep on their couch, you know, and that's, um, and then it, it going through that makes you appreciate when things start happening for you because you honestly have a sense of like, I earned this, you know? Absolutely. And it's funny how you say other comedians letting you stay with them. I, uh, I don't know if you know him. You may, uh, Jay Wendell Walker is, uh, out of the, uh, I think he's out of Spokane or in the Washington area. And he's, I mean, he's probably 70 now and he still will let young comedians that are coming through stay on his couch and his wife will cook for them over the weekend while they're in town. And and he's a great comedian. I mean, he's been doing it for 52 years, but it's those kind of guys that keep it going and they're very supportive of the younger people coming in and they're people to look up to. I mean, I've had great comedians that have called in and they'd be like, oh, I love that guy, Jay Wendell Walker. He's great. And I don't even know that they know each other. And, you know, amongst he, – he never had that huge celebrityness of – of call out some names. I can't what fucking – what am I thinking of? You, you know, he, he – Bill Cosby would have yeah. big names or what? Yeah, there Anybody? you go. He, he may not have gotten to there, but he's infamous amongst all of his peers. So it, it, right. it's a great thing. I mean, and you can't ask for more than that than respect – from the people, if you actually have respect from the other comedians that you work with, it's an awesome thing. And all those, and all the ones that don't respect me, fuck you. That's what I got to say about that. <laughs> it's violent tonight. Just hey, does your damn luck and fuck you, whatever, man. What the hell? I don't know, man. You were probably off all day too. What the hell? Oh, I didn't do shit today. I did nothing. This was a great day. I, I sat around the house. You know what I did? I watched reruns of American Chopper, which I'm DVD in the live episode right now. Nice. Or DVR in. <laughs> you like American Chopper, Josh? 
You know, I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Uh, I, I mean, the last time I think I saw an episode of the father and son were fighting. Did that narrow it down for you? Yeah, they just finished fighting. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna build a bike together now and make love in the back room or something. I don't know, but <laughs> but I just love the show, and it's probably because it's Orange County Choppers, and I grew up in Orange County, New York, which is like ten minutes from where their show is and where their shops are. And although I never went there, I think I just like watching the show because it's kind of based twenty minutes or ten minutes from my hometown, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think we were yeah, famous for no, the. I definitely have my shows though. I mean, uh, the DVR is is amazing. Like between the DVR and Netflix, um, you know, it's awesome because we sort of stockpile all the shows that we like to watch, and then I'll knock them out in the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever. I'm home for the week. Now you know if you get like a marathon, you go get yourself one of those iPads or one of those Android tablets. You could be watching your Netflix or whatever is with you while you're on the road, catching up on some of that stuff. They got they make it pretty amazing well, now. Well, technically, I could, but um, my wife dictates that I wait to watch the new episodes with her. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry about your damn luck. Hence <laughs> why I just finished Breaking Bad season finale right before we got on the phone. Oh, I'm not watching nice. it live last night like I should have. Nice. So is that your favorite show, or is that her favorite show that you're told you're going to watch? No, you know what? I'm lucky. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie. I'm lucky that she likes a lot of the same shows that I do. She likes Boardwalk Empire, and uh, we're hooked on this new show on Showtime called Homeland and um, uh, Mad Men and The Walking Dead. Like she's into all that stuff. Um, so the only shows I really have to sit through are a couple Real Housewives of New Jersey or or, or the new one uh, is the Here Comes Honey Boo Boo. Holy Jesus, Paul. <laughs> the, the decline of our society in a half an hour. Nice. I, I did watch Mob Wives for about a minute. I on wanted purpose? To see, yeah, I watched it on purpose. I wanted to see what happened and how it would go, and it was it kept me for like a couple of Sundays, and then I just fell off. I did like seeing the one girl beat the crap out of the other girl. She was super tough. She was kind of good looking too, but nice. that was it. It was kind of like <laughs> ghetto broads from hell. It was like it just didn't – they don't have the same impact of their, as their husbands and their daddies, let me tell you. I need some real mobsters if I'm going to be entertained. wrestling with you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If you, could, if you can entertain me 10% of what wrestling can, you're doing good. And I will admit, soap, it's just a soap opera for men. It's just a soap opera that men can feel good about watching. I don't know why we feel good about watching it, but we do. Because there's drama where people get to hit each other. Right. I guess. That's what's up. There you go. But I know that, you know, I know factually now that that slap in the chest hurts like a son of a bitch, man. Because <laughs> Garrett, I, I'll send you the feed if you want to watch the oh, yeah. show. It's worth, Josh, the, it's he, worth the viewing. He reaches back and slaps me with a chest slap. You could hear it. It went it went too fast for the camera to be able to 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 see the whole thing. But you heard the noise and I had the handprint for about a week. Yeah. I took I'll, I'll even text you the picture of the handprint that I had. It was And then he showed me pictures that he has from battles where people hit him with a kendo stick and he swells up like 3 inches off his back. <clears throat> I mean, it's ridiculous to damage. I don't care if they if they know what's going to happen at the end. I don't most of the time, and so many of those shots are going to hurt. It's oh, just yeah. it's a high risk career. He even took his rings off before. Well, I'll, he tell, hit you, you I'll tell you one more wrestling story, um, real quick. My 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 best friend Nate and I we were roommates, and um, we decided to continue the tradition of having the pay per view at our house. And then somehow that evolved into our own wrestling federation. So we went out and we bought a belt. Nice. And then, uh, and then after the pay-per-view, I mean, we'd get like 30 people at our house to watch. And then after the pay-per-view, we would drag out his queen-size mattress and box spring. And then we would have these giant wrestling matches um, in the living room of our little two-bedroom apartment. And I remember one night we were trying to, um, figure out what we could hit each other with. And we went to the Walmart and um, we started testing out cookie sheets. And um, it was like one of the greatest nights of my life to be in Walmart 
in the baking <laughs> aisle, um, grabbing a cookie sheet, hitting my best friend over the head with it, and us looking like, yeah, that one sounded pretty good. That was a nice one. Nice. Didn't hurt too bad. <laughs> See, that's why Walmart's like open. And take them home. That's why Walmart's open 24 hours now. Just so you can hit yourself with a cookie sheet at three in the morning. <laughs> hey man, if any funky shit is going to go down at night, you don't want to be at, out after twelve o'clock at the nightclubs. You want to go to Walmart. Uh, Walmart is where all the well, crazy gonna, shit happens. I'm sorry. This is going to take my nerdum to a whole different level. When I was in Florida last week, um, I went to the Star Wars convention for the last oh, day. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> my my dad worked for Kenner Toys when I was growing up. No so way. I was like born into Star Wars. Nice. And um, so he must have like everything. And when the f- oh, it was amazing. Like, I had toys that never even came out. Wow. I actually sold them when I was um, quitting my day job <clears throat> to do comedy full time to help uh, with the cushion. Mm-hmm. I got rid of my Star Wars collection on on eBay. Mm. But um. The the first three movies came out, or the the second set of three movies oh, okay. came yeah. out, and that same roommate I was talking to you about, we went out and bought lightsabers, and um, I had I had a green one, and he had the the double red one, mm-hmm. you know, where one shot out of each end, and right. um, we were at the grocery store late at night, of course, uh, and uh, Walmart, and then I come out to the parking lot, he had beat me out to the parking lot by maybe five minutes. I see him standing on the hood of my car. He had taken his lightsaber out of the package, put batteries in it. You know, he shoots it out <laughs> each end. It lights up. I look on the ground about five feet in front of me is my lightsaber. I pick it up. Sure enough, batteries are in it. I turn it on, and we beat the shit out of each other in the Walmart parking lot at maybe 11 o'clock at night. Everything crazy happens at Walmart. Oh, yeah. All the sick, disgusting pictures right. you see on Facebook are of people at Walmart. Mm-hmm. All the all the crazy right. shit happens at Walmart, not Target. No, not any. It's Walmart. It, the freaks come out at night and they go to Walmart. I mean, they could be one legged. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of creeps that are there. It's it's entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I just go there to walk around, and then I figure, wait a minute, now I'm the creep that other people are watching. Biggest oxymorons just show up there in the middle of the night. I was there one night, and I'm stuck behind this woman who's who's like uh, I don't know three four hundred pounds overweight and they give her a fold-up chair to sit down in while she's sitting there in line paying for about 200 lean cuisines <laughs> i was like yeah, it just doesn't oh my god that is awesome yeah oh man that is well, awesome. although listen i i don't know about lean cuisine but i just had a new hot pocket the other day damn that shit was good they made this lean pocket by hot pocket mm-hmm. with a pretzel outside those, those, those damn bastards. Why they got to keep reeling me back in? I hadn't had a Hot Pocket in like two years. All of a sudden, I see a pretzel fucking Hot Pocket. How do you, you can't go wrong with a pretzel Hot Pocket. That was a delicious invention. I'd like to shoot that guy right in the face. He destroyed my waistline. It's all his fault. I'm blaming Lean Pocket. And the 17 buffets oh you've been to God. all week. Yeah. You probably well, just lost them as a sponsor. Yes, yes, because, you know, they've sponsored me so many times before. Yeah. Wait, Josh, you're going to start sponsoring me now. You should sponsor me. You could be my traveling comedian that sponsors my show. I will give you a great deal. How much should we charge Josh to sponsor the show? I'll have my T-shirt company sponsor your show. How about that? There you nice. go. There you go. Now, that sounds legitimate. So mm-hmm. I, now i got to talk to him off air about the millions and millions of dollars that it costs to sponsor my Hugely successful show. You get some pocket change sitting around the house. That'll cover it. <laughs> it's messed up, man. <laughs> well, I think your audience would enjoy our T-shirts, so nice. maybe we should talk about it off the There end. you go. You, you, that's perfect. I like that. No one will like it if he paid attention, but he don't pay attention to me. I just got a sponsor, Nolan, and you didn't even pay attention to me. You're looking off into the world, paying attention to other shows. <laughs> I'm talking about the CEO and owner of, what the hell is this place called? Uh, Glodsworth Entertainment Global. Entertainment. Oh, I guess he is listening okay. to me. He just turned over and looked. He must have heard everything. All right, the bastard. Well, well would, you, would you tell us a little bit about your t-shirt company? That, that's Absolutely. actually attached to your website. I, saw, I was going to ask you about that, but. How did that start? Was um, it- yeah, it's. Uh, it, I started with a buddy of mine about six years ago. We uh, we make funny T-shirts for you know pop culture references based on popular TV shows and movie quotes and you know stuff going on in the news. Um, 
most recently we just got a cease and desist for from uh, Augusta National. <laughs> no way. <laughs> What'd you guys do to piss them we off? Had a, we've, we had our shirt said uh, Augusta National now featuring two new holes. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Because that is awesome. The women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got to get a Fat Davy t-shirt made up. The Fat Davy, maybe I could do. I got this joke about the fat ring on the back of my head. We could just start off with that and the hot nice. dog. There we'll work go. it out, man. <laughs> it's now, great. Right. Do you have a lot of, uh, um, I guess, royalty issues or, or different, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, with some of the like, po- or copyright infringements or anything like that? This, or? Um, really? We don't we don't really license anything like you know take Breaking Bad for example uh-huh. like we don't have any official Breaking Bad shirts nothing says Breaking Bad but if you're a fan of the show yeah. you would recognize the logo from you know the chicken restaurant or mm-hmm. some of the characters nice um, we try to stay in that gray area until okay. we're told to shut it down and then we do we got shut down by Arrested Development wow <laughs> um, Ohio State University Wendy's the NFL. Um, nice. pretty much now we know if something's <clears throat> going to get a season desist. I mean, with that Augusta shirt, it was only up a week. And, uh, we basically, <laughs> when we put it on Facebook, we said, get your order in before the season desist arrives. And sure enough, <laughs> within awesome. five days, it was there. All right. Well, Hey, we got about a minute and a half, two minutes left on the show is they got a link to on joshneed.com. There's a link to the t-shirt company and you got some, mm-hmm. you got some other stuff they could see there from you. They can find your. Your Twitter, what's your Twitter address? Just uh, Josh Need. It's the same on Twitter and Facebook. If you go to joshneed.com, you'll get a link to the shirts, to my Twitter, all the Facebook pages I've created. I've got a Facebook page that's just pictures I've taken of uh, basically people of Walmart, but before that existed, you know, just pictures nice. of yeah. the banes of society. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I follow you on Twitter, but you have too many friends to be my friend. Because you're you're way you got like fifty two hundred or you got no room for Fat Davy on your page, I'm sad. But I, I, I'll, I will. I'll make room for you. Oh, nice. look at that! My head just got bigger. Gwiggy's gonna have to stand outside the room. I'll be I'll be in the next building. All right. So hey, I do want to give a shout out to myself in this particular case because coming up this weekend is Comedy Slam Radio. Oh, yeah, your anniversary. Our one-year anniversary, it's going to be our red carpet affair, Mm -hmm. and if anybody wants to visit me on Facebook or if you go to my Twitter page, which is the Let's Be Frank show uh, on Twitter, and if you're already a fan and you're on the Facebook already, great, but you can look us up, which is Dave Frank or Let's Be Frank show, and you can vote for your favorite Comedy Slam show, but we know you're going to vote for the People's Choice Award, and it's going to be the Let's Be Frank show with Dave Frank. You just got your first – you were the first person to get international vote from Canada for some reason. Nice, nice. because I'm fucking awesome. That's why. <laughs> it was probably the guy who I had in the show two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Canada loves Dave Frank. There you go. But he listen, represents the entire uh, continent. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, hey, not, lo- not country, but continent. Yeah. As long as they're representing. But I want to take a minute again, Josh. Thank you very much for calling in. Do you have anything you want to plug one last time? Where are you going to be next? Where can the people see you next? Um, I'll actually be in Sarasota, Florida in a couple weeks nice. at uh, McCurdy's. So if you got any local listeners that want to come down. Um, but all my tour dates are at uh, joshneed.com. So I'm going to go look up that date. Follow because me, find me, like me, and I'll let you know where I'm going to be. Are you, do you think you're going to be in Sarasota in September or is it in October? Yes. It's September? September. Nice. I'm going to see if I can get down there because it's only cool. about a 45-minute hour ride from here. I will do come. It. Yeah, come if I can do it, I will come time. down. Definitely. Well, listen, thank you very much for calling in. We're going to wrap up the show for tonight. Gwiggy, thank you for coming in and barely Thanks saying a friggin' word. <laughs> I do what I can. There you go. Josh, thank you very much. Comedy Slam Radio and pleasure, the Let's Be Frank Show audience, thank you for tuning in. We'll speak to you next week. Josh, have a great night, and we're out of here. You too. Thanks for listening in to the Let's Be Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com. If you missed this show or would like to catch up on past shows, visit us on Stitcher Radio and iTunes at Let's Be Frank's podcast, and have a great night. We'll see you next week.
Josh Sneed, and I'm on the Let's Be Frank with Dave Frank show on ComedySlamRadio.com. What was that? I'll tell you what that was. That was another fine show from ComedySlamRadio.com, where we put the .com in 